0: so when you show up in County Clare first off it's in the middle of nowhere it's like in fields like sheep are next door and and you show up and you kind of aren't that impressed at first because it's just like this it's a statue in a glass case and you're like oh okay and it's only then when you start getting closer that you see this little hidey hole entrance to the left and if you go inside it's this dark, musty cave, and it smells kind of like that decaying, papery smell, and there's water dripping. The walls are covered in different memorabilia. There's cards, there's funeral cards, there's casts that people have left behind. And then as you go deeper into this tunnel-like cave, it starts to turn. And then you get to the very end of the cave, And the memorabilia sort of stops, and then all you see is this stone wall, and there's a skylight above it, and water dripping in from the stone wall like coming out of the wall and collecting in this little pool. When you're there, it feels like something that's been there for a very, very, very long time. I'm Sarah Dern, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. I'm an editorial fellow at Atlas Obscura, and today I'm taking you to St. Bridget's Well in County Clare, Ireland, where we'll explore the story of how a pagan goddess became a Christian saint. That's after this. Last time, I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel?
1: When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Did you know anything about this place going into it, or was this completely sort of going in with no foreknowledge?
0: Yeah, you know, it's weird. I had no idea that St. Bridget existed even having grown up Irish Catholic, my great uncle was a Catholic priest, but I had never ever heard of St. Brigid until I studied abroad in Ireland in 2016. My friend Bruna invited me on a road trip essentially one weekend during horrible weather. We tried to go close to the Cliffs of Mower. It was such bad weather. The cliffs were closed because you could like slip off and fall into the abyss. <laughs> that is-
1: <laughs> the For the Ocean. best, maybe then, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and then, nearby, the of mower, like about fifteen minutes away, is this holy well of hmm. Saint Brigid.
1: when you say a well, I kind of you know, I think more of a place you go to get water <laughs> what is it, what do you mean when you when you call it a well?
0: so holy wells are scattered all throughout Ireland, there's at least five hundred, there's maybe even thousands, but in its, like, most basic form, a holy well is a place of healing water that predates Christianity and has often been adopted by Christianity in Ireland. And sometimes are associated with saints, sometimes aren't, but they're just, mm-hmm. like, holy sites. Back when Ireland was pagan, this well was a place of healing. People would have collected water from the well and brought it home to people who were sick. They would have left behind cards or notes or tied little pieces of clothing to trees, all to kind of encourage healing. And today, the well is basically used for the same reason. When I went, I saw funeral cards and casts, their statues to Mary Magdalene, and it's just this collage of memorabilia. And at the time, I had no idea where I was. I was just like, mm, this is cool. I don't know who Bridget is, but I like where I am. And I like this mystical dark cave.
1: Why is Bridget's Well sort of so, so much more elaborate? How, how did it become so, I don't know, celebrated?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really has to do with Bridget. Bridget was a Celtic goddess. She was really powerful and really worshipped and widely worshipped throughout Ireland and we kind of don't know the details, but we know that she had a festival associated with her um, called Imbolc, which happened in the spring and was associated with planting of the seed and hoping for a good harvest, you know, in the months to come. She's also a three-part goddess, so she had these three sides and was associated with dawn and fire and blacksmiths, which is sort of dope because she's a lady goddess.
1: Okay, so you've got this Celtic goddess doing all this cool stuff. When does Christianity enter the picture?
0: So it's a little unclear, but around 4.30, things are definitely happening in Ireland when it comes to the Catholic Church. Um, the Catholic Church started sending missionaries to Ireland, and missionaries were really good marketers for their faith. And, you know, everyone in Ireland at this point in time was pagan. They were polytheistic. They had multiple gods. So it wasn't a huge thing for them to just add Jesus Christ to the mix. So it was just this merging of faith, and this pantheon now included Jesus alongside Brigid.
1: It's like we're everyone's invited to the dance party. There's a new god introduced to your pantheon, <laughs> and also maybe some of your old gods are part of this new system that oh, yeah. we call Christianity.
0: Yeah, Christmas. They're like, oh, guys, you celebrate the winter solstice. Guys, we we, we- that's our birthday. <laughs> it's such that's- a date. Would have thought. Who would have thought it? What kind are of. the
1: odds? They're You're so... celebrating
0: the birth of the sun. We're also celebrating the birth of the sun, you know? The, the, exactly. It's the same thing. <laughs> this is great. But eventually, in the Middle Ages, you know, the Catholic Church has to get a little more rigid. They become more powerful in Ireland. It's not just these one-off missionaries anymore. And suddenly it gets a little trickier, you know, having this— holistic view of what's allowed in Irish Catholicism. The Catholic Church basically, you know, doesn't want everyone still worshiping Bridget and worshiping all these other Irish pagan gods and goddesses. We know they were persecuting to some degree pagans and they were trying to wipe out figures like Bridget. But, you know, Bridget was especially hard to get rid of. She was immensely popular and still is. And people kept going to her wells and kept leaving tributes to her, kept praying to her, kept having icons of her. And despite all the work the Catholic Church was doing to try and eradicate Bridget, she wouldn't disappear. So eventually the Catholic Church kind of just throws up their hands and say, well, you can't beat them, join them. They canonize Bridget. But the new Catholic Brigid, Saint Brigid, and the goddess Brigid have a lot of stuff in common. Here you have Saint Brigid's feast day being February 1st, which is conveniently the same time when Brigid's holiday of Imbolc was. And you have Saint Brigid being associated with blacksmithing and fertility and fire and dawn and all the same things that you have the pagan goddess Brigid being associated with. So... Even if St. Bridget was a real person, you know, the Catholic Church will tell you she is this nice pagan girl from Kildare and she converts to Christianity. She founds a nunnery. She's a good Catholic by the end of her life. Even if St. Bridget was a real person, they are still conflating the pagan Bridget with this now Catholic saint. And they're trying to be like, hey, we have this whole other person She just looks a whole lot like this goddess you guys have been worshiping.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, it gives people the permission structure to engage with these beliefs that are, like, ancient and have come down through many generations and engage with this kind of powerful mystical place, the well. And it sort of says, okay, all right, we're not going to be able to overwrite this or take it away. We're just going to build— a permission structure that exists within our our framework and make it okay because clearly it's not going anywhere. And so there's something both uh, sneaky about it, but it's also sort of accepting of the fact that people have these deep, mystical, not always originating in Christianity beliefs that have to be kind of accommodated if the Christian church is going to survive.
0: Yeah. And like still today in Ireland, you know, like people are believe in fairies and go to holy wells and they are catholic you know it's like everything is interwoven
1: what do people go to bridget for now is it some of the same stuff that they went to her for in sort of pre-christian celtic times or like what's that How, how are they how are people interacting with bridget and her well
0: these days Bridget is a huge figure in Ireland today. She's one of the patron saints of the country. And people make Bridget's crosses out of these reeds that also might have predated Christianity as, like, a practice. It's just, like, it's the crazy thing of, like, Irish Catholicism of... It's still that same sort of acceptance of both these older mystical pagan traditions with the Christian tradition... And they're just sort of like meshing and like Bridget's Well, you know, it was really mystical being there and it felt really like otherworldly and it Mm. felt like a place where the fairies of Ireland might exist. You know, it felt like you sort of lose the boundaries Mm. of what's Catholic, what's pagan, what's... Bridget? What's St. Bridget? Like, I feel like we've all had those experiences of like, this place, this place is really cool. And I don't know why, but there's something about being here that's making me feel really connected to everyone and everything and everything that's ever existed in my ancestors and the people who will come after me and like people will continue to come here. And it just feels like the converging of all of it. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. Our podcast is a co production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. The production team includes
1: Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka,
0: Camille Stanley,
1: Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales,
0: McKenna Smith, Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson,
1: John DeLore, Casey Holford, Peter Clowney.
0: This episode was mixed by
1: Luce Fleming.
0: Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Sarah Dern, wishing you all the wonder in the world.
1: Witness Docs from Stitcher.